Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Um, today's scripture reading is from um, Luke chapter um, si- um, 6 from... Um, um, Luke chapter 6, um, 17, um, verse 17 through 26. Creator sets free Jesus, along with his 12 message bearers and a large number of his followers, went down from the mountain to where the ground is flat. A great number of people came to hear him speak and to be healed. They came from all over the land of promise, Judea, from the village of peace, Jerusalem, and from the coast of Rockland, Tyre, and the hunting grounds, Sidon. The ones tormented by unclean spirits were being set free. All the people, all the people were trying to touch him, for great power was flowing out from him to heal them all. Creator sets free Jesus looked over the crowd of his followers and began to teach them about the ways of God's of the of Creator's good road. Creator's blessing rests on you who are poor and in need. The good road is yours to walk. The cre- um, Creator's blessing rests on you who hunger now, or you will be filled to the full. Creator's blessing rests on those who on the ones who weep now for um for your sorrow will turn to laughter. Creator's blessing um creator's blessings rest on you when you are hated and rejected, looked down on um, and treated as worthless. All because you have chosen to walk the good road with a true human human being. When this happens, let your hearts be glad and jump for joy. The spirit world will be above will honor you, for this is the same way your ancestors treated the prophets of their day. You are walking in the moccasins now. Here's what um he said to the privileged among the people. Sorrow and trouble will be at the end of you who store up possessions for yourselves, for you have already had a life of ease. Sorrow and trouble will be the end of you who eat your fill now. You will go hungry later. Sorrow and trouble will be the end of you who are laughing about this now. For your own tales of tears is coming. Sorrow and trouble will be our end when others say only good things about you. For that is what our ancestors said about the prophets who told lies. The world of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Iver, amazing job, my friend. <clears throat> I love it when you read the scriptures. Uh, I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. So thank you, Iver. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, in the words of Dallas Willard, sometimes the most familiar words become unfamiliar. Sometimes the most unfamiliar words become unfamiliar. So I think it's important sometimes to hear familiar things in a different way. Many of us have heard those words from Luke 6, the Beatitudes, many, many times. Uh, but as Kara noted in the chat, the translation that we used, that's going to be backwards, but it's the First Nations version. And it's just a gorgeous translation of the New Testament um, that the staff just, just bought. It was backordered for two months. Uh, but I decided to use it today, and we'll probably use it here and there. Uh, because it's just so important to hear familiar words from maybe a different perspective. So I hope you enjoyed that. That's the First Nations version. So when we're talking about the Beatitudes, uh, does anyone have an ambivalent feeling when you hear those words? Like, oh my goodness, so great, so cool. But then also, woo, those are some tough words at the end. And so... How are we to hear those words of Jesus, you guys? We who most of us are not poor. We who most of us are not hungry. How are we to understand the nature of the kingdom of God as it relates to these words? On the surface, there's a nice structure to it. It's poetic. People who have a hard time in life end up getting a reward while the rich are told that they've gotten all they deserve here on earth. Uh, but my question for Jesus, can you get in Jesus' face? Can you do that from time to time? Um, I once heard uh, that Mother Teresa said, yes, Jesus is my husband, and sometimes he is a very difficult spouse to live with. <laughs> I love that. So I'll get in Jesus' face. Is it that simple? Is it really that simple? Is, that, is, it, is it that binary? Uh, so let's do the first all play question. If you're watching online with YouTube, sadly, you can't participate in the Zoom call here, but you can think of your questions. Maybe you can share them with the people that you're watching with if you're on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, but here's the question. How do you hear these words of Jesus and what questions do you have? How do you hear these words of Jesus? You can use the chat uh, to answer the questions if you're here on the Zoom call. And again, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, maybe write down some questions or Turn to the person that you're watching with, if you're watching with someone, and just shout out your answers, shout out your comments, shout out your questions. How do you, how do you hear these words of Jesus? Uh, blessed are you who are poor, and woe to you who are rich now. How do you hear these words? And or what questions does it raise for you? I've offered a stumping question already. Wow. I love it. Okay, Will Lee, in this new translation, I hear woes more directed at me instead of a nebulous, wicked person or group. Yeah, so do I. Thanks, Will. <laughs> I think that's probably helpful in some ways. Uh, Danny Cook, God's heart is for the marginalized. And if ours aren't as well, then woe unto us. Yes, very succinctly 
put. I love it. I love it, Dan. What else? What questions or comments do you have? What what does this bring up in you? Uh, Allie Lee, I feel a bit on the outside. Like this is good news. Like this good news isn't for me, but that's okay? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> I think that kind of disequilibrium is perhaps part of what we need to lean into here. So you can keep using the chat uh, to answer your question. Oh, one more from my Mary. Uh, it jars me into remembering that my perspective is not the only one, but I don't really like being jarred. <laughs> Can anyone else relate to that? I don't really like being jarred. <laughs> me neither. Well, on a deeper and more personal level, how I would answer that question, but I had a whole week to think about it. Uh, I feel a little troubled because I know where I fall. Uh, in general, I have been blessed with a very good life by any perspective. So does that make me bad? Because I have a good life by most perspective. Uh, does this mean I have to suffer in order to really be blessed and loved by God? Do I need to work on being more poor, more hungry? Do I need to work on mourning more? Do I need to become all these things that I feel like I aren't? I aren't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not by my nature. Um, but there's a problem with that line of thinking, right? It, see, if 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 you and I think we have to become poor, and become hungry, and become sad, in order to be blessed by God, then what's going to happen? What's going to happen, you guys? We're going to start asking the question, well, how poor is poor enough? How sad is sad enough? How hungry is hungry enough? And then we'll line up each other next to each other. I'm more poor than you, so I must be blessed by God. I'm more sad than you, so I must be blessed by God. I'm more hungry than you, so I must be blessed by God. And I want to note something. It's totally normal and natural and universally human to ask the question, wait a minute, where do I fit in this list? I think it's really okay to say, is this list, does this list ex exclude me or include me? It's okay to have that perspective. It's not selfish. I think part of what this teaching is, is it's trying for everyone to name that. So I want to catch up a little bit because some more uh, really beautiful responses came in. Laura Gronenweg said, sometimes the Beatitudes feel really dichotomous for me, much more than I think Jesus usually strikes me. Yeah, they, they sort of feel binary in a way that Jesus doesn't normally do, it seems like. Rajan, are we talking about money when we say poor or rich? What a great question, Rajan. I think we need to expand what it means to be poor. In Matthew, where the Beatitudes are also recorded, it's poor in spirit. It's interesting that in Luke, it's just poor. You know, like what, what editor chose to use different words <laughs> when it came to this? That's why I love it that the Gospels are different. They provide different perspectives. and makes us, and, and they, they make us ask those questions. See, when the Bible doesn't agree with itself, like this, Matthew says poor in spirit, Luke says poor. That, in my mind, is an intentional way for us to have the conversation that Rajan just brought up. Do you know what I mean by that? Like if it was super clear and unambiguous, then we wouldn't have these great questions. So Rajan, thank you for entering into the spirit of what the Bible is trying to make us do, which is ask questions. 
and I think this is from Kara, uh, it's difficult for me to think about how much words like these are used even subtly to not work towards justice because folks who experience this will all get their rewards someday. Oh my goodness, yes. So you know what? Let's just, things will be what things will be. Let's not work toward justice. Let's not work towards mercy. Whew. Uh, Allie, it makes me wonder if Jesus had to have a good conversation with the wealthy ladies who supported him after all this teaching. Yeah, they're like, hey. So by the way, there was it's recorded in the scriptures that the, these this group of wealthy women were the main supporters financially of Jesus. And so like, did they have to kind of go, um, a word, please? A word? Maybe they did. And that's another thing the Bible is trying to get us to use our imagination to say, well, wait a minute. How how would have this landed on, on, the, on this group of people? And how would have this teaching landed on that group of people? So good. Uh, Mark Granger, the human nature is to categorize so we can manage and cope with our world. Yes, the sociological structures of our lives are designed to keep us in and keep others out, to scapegoat those who are not like us, to make sure that we feel okay without changing being our own self. So very good point, Mark. I think you you bring up like how does Jesus pluck at the sociological structures of our day and their day? Willie, I don't know if this helps, but Gustavo Gutierrez identifies three kinds of poverty, material poverty, spiritual poverty, and voluntary poverty as protest. Very helpful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then uh, Jane and Jason, how does First Nations Bible handle the difference between Mark and Luke? What a great question. I could look it up, but I just, and I will, but I don't want to lose the flow. And I feel like I'm, I'm flowing right now. Um, so on a break, I'll, on a break, do we take breaks in our sermons? Maybe we do. Uh, I'll look it up. Okay. Um, so here's the deal. If we perpetually worry, that we're not on the in crowd because we're too rich or too poor, or we're not in the out crowd because, or we are in the out crowd because we're too rich or too poor or too this or too that, we're, we're going to fall into a predictable pattern of comparing ourselves to others based on a, a, a standard that we'll make up in our own mind. Am I poor enough? Am I hungry enough? Am I sad enough? Do I work for justice enough, gang? Do I have enough signs in my front yard? Can we just get personal right now? have I put enough signs in my front yard to make sure that I'm working for justice in the world? Do I have enough flags out to make sure I'm working for justice in the world? When something bad happens, now I'm going to rant here for a second, but when something bad happens, how quick am I to post on Facebook so that people know that I really care? I mean, can we get that personal? Because this is what we're talking about. When we start to get into that game of am I more or less, more or less, more or less, then we're, then we're using categories that subtly put our, ourselves in the in crowd and someone else on the out crowd. And that primarily is what uh, Jesus is, is trying, I think, to, to point at here in a, in a really direct way. I'm going to catch up. We can, Pam says we can do whatever we want. That's the point of our experiments. Take a break if you feel led, Steve. <laughs> yes, I will take a break in a second, Pam, and I will look up Matthew chapter five. And so Jane and Jason, we're going to get you the answer. Um, and then Nick Throckmorton, I heard Jesus checks Facebook. <laughs> I heard Jesus checks Facebook for this and your flag count. Yes. 
<laughs> and then Brian McWhite. And if I didn't post anything on Facebook when I was supposed to, yes. How come you're so silent? You haven't said anything about that big issue that came up. You loser. You inconsiderate fool. Uh, this is a big deal. Okay, Will Lee reminds me of on Ashita Moore's call in Dear White Peacemakers, great book, to have beloved community as our North Star versus self-loathing, earning our worth, and hustling. By the way, I loved it when Ashita Moore came and preached. I listened to it when I was on sabbatical. And I felt like she called us to justice and peacemaking in a way that safeguarded beloved community. And she threaded that needle, which I was so, so, so appreciative of. It's so easy to fall on one side or another. Um, Ugo and Christine, the Tamez family, Jesus definitely checks out the stickers on your car. <laughs> Yes. And Rajan, Rashida Moore. Yes, yes, yes. And then Brian, yes, Will. So here's a little bit. Okay, so everyone deep breath in, deep breath out. Jesus is trying to do something here. Jesus is trying to do something here. But what he's trying to do is not going to be an immediately understood. Okay, so if you think you got it right away, you don't. That's why we do this. That's why we have conversations. That's why we teach. Um, so, but I do want to bring some context in. In the first century, there was a strong assumption that if you were rich and healthy, then you were righteous. And thus, your, your wealth and your health were blessings that God gave you on the basis of your righteousness. So it didn't really even matter what you did or didn't do. You just looked at your life. And if you were wealthy and healthy, you could assume I must be doing something right because God is blessing me. That was the assumption. And conversely, the assumption was if you were poor or unhealthy, if you had some sort of blindness or if you couldn't walk, if you had a skin disease of any kind, that wasn't just bad luck on you. That It was assumed that God was punishing you for something that you did or something that your parents may have done. And Kristen Powell, I totally agree with you. I think that attitude is still subtly in our culture today. I really do. I, I agree with you. And Dan, Cook, see the book of Job. Yes, 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 yes. When Job's friends said, what did you do wrong? Because, you know, you lost all your family and you lost all your, all your house and all your wealth. So this is a strong assumption. Now, growing up, um, I, in, a, in the religious sociological culture that I was in, and I said those words very intentionally, the religious sociological culture that I was in, um, the sign of God's favor was about morality and belief. If I believed the right things about Jesus, and if I generally stayed out of trouble, then God would bless me. But if I believed the wrong things, or if I'd been divorced, or if I had sex before I was married, or if I drank too much, then God would punish or reject me in some subtle way. Uh, so it was less about like, like wealth and health, and more about morality. And, um, and even like when I grew up, and I'm sorry, Jerry, I know you grew up Catholic, but like as a good Baptist boy, I was convinced every Catholic sat out on the church stoop and smoked cigarettes before and after the church service. Why I had that view, I have no idea, but that was just my sociological culture said that we were good because we would never smoke a cigarette before or after church or at any time. Uh, and those, those Catholics who aren't real Christians is what I believed back then. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Even though they were the original Christians, uh, weren't in. I'm just, I'm just highlighting here's how easy it is to make these categories, right? Uh, 
uh, <laughs> Laura Grunwig, the original gangster of prosperity gospel. Oh my goodness, yes, 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 yes. So an example of this kind of thinking that was deep in the minds of the whole culture is in John chapter nine, where Jesus and his disciples walked by a, a person, a man that was born blind, and they knew he was born blind somehow because they knew him. And they ask a question. Do you remember what question they ask Jesus? They say, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Who sinned? Someone must have sinned because that's how it works. If you're born blind, it's because someone sinned. Now, interesting, if his parents sinned, okay, I get that. <laughs> like, what sin does an unborn baby do in order to become blind? You know what I mean? That's, that's some messed up thinking. Um, so that way of thing, Jesus, we'll get back to that story, but Jesus goes all into how wrong that, that thinking is. Um, so let's let's climb, let's find a way to climb out of the either or in or out categories, categorizations that we could make. Okay. And and I think there's another passage in in John's gospel that that really might help. John chapter one. This is also from the First Nations version. John chapter one, verses seven through nine. In the into the wilderness of the land of promise, Judea, came a man named Gift of Goodwill, John. He was sent by the great spirit to tell what he knew about light so that everyone could believe. Now, he, John, was not the light, but came to speak truth about the light. Now, the true light that shines on all people was coming into the darkness of this world. The true light which shines on all people was coming into the darkness of this world. Now, thinking about the reality of what we just talked about. That it's so hard to climb out of our categories and our socializations and our structures and our beliefs of who's in and who's out based on whether you put a sign out in your front yard or make a Facebook post or do any number of things. What does light do? That's my all play question. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the darkness of this world. What does light do? And just catching up, Enoch Kelly says, we definitely had a debate in a ministry class in college about a church that had ashtrays outside of the entrances. <laughs> definitely messed up. What does light do? Yes. Danny Cook, light warms and comforts. Uh, Elizabeth said it reveals. Uh, Will Hack says it exposes. Yes. Mary said it helps things grow. A little photosynthesis, people. Come on, let's get science nerdy. Let's do it. Uh, Ugo and Christine and the rest of the Tamas family says it shows what's really there. Yes. Uh, Allie, light grows and withers. Yeah, it, it gets brighter and dimmer. Oh, I love it. Noah and Charles and the Goodwin spattering. Uh, it gives life. Yes. Rajan, light guides us to where we were heading or where we were seeking. This is why we do all play questions, guys. I could never come up with all this gold. It's just juicy nugget after juicy nugget. Uh, Kristen Powell makes things clear, shows colors. Yes. Light reveals. Light does all those 
things. And guess what? What? How do I say this question? This is a rhetorical question, okay? I just can't, I can't find a non-rhetorical question. Does light show a bias on what light shines on and what light doesn't? No. Light shows no bias. Light shows on all people. The true light that shines on all people is coming into the darkness of this world. <laughs> Rajan, I just got my caps lock off. Reagan, Granger, uh, I was wondering why you were yelling about light. <laughs> you guys are awesome. So funny. Um, light reveals what actually is, and there's no there's no bias on what light reveals and what light hides. Light doesn't hide. Light shows, light reveals, light brings warmth and light to everybody. Light helps everybody grow. Light um, makes things clear and shows colors for everybody. Light guides us, everybody, to where we're heading or where we're seeking. Light gives life to everybody. Light grows and withers on everybody. Uh, light shows what's really there to everybody. Light helps things grow in everybody. Will says it exposes everybody, it reveals to everybody. So we, we got to climb out of any categories that would say that the Beatitudes are about, you know, one group absolutely doesn't get it and the other group absolutely does. So let's go back to our uh, story in John 9, the man who was born blind and, and it goes to this comic back and forth between his parents and the, the rest of the town and these Pharisees and the religious leaders that demand that he says how it was that he uh, became to see. And the big joke at the end of it is, is that uh, the cosmic joke is that every single person in that story besides Jesus and the man formerly blind is blind. <laughs> everyone in the story that can see is actually blind. And everyone that's blind in the story can see. And that's the big cosmic joke. So perhaps the Beatitudes are not a list of character traits that you or I or even could or should aspire to. Perhaps Jesus is not saying you will be blessed when you finally become poor in spirit or, or otherwise, or you'll be filled when you finally become hungry, or you will laugh when you finally mourn. Perhaps Jesus is telling everyone who assumes that their poverty or hunger or sadness is because God is punishing them for doing something wrong or believing something wrong. Perhaps Jesus is saying to them, you who are worried that the kingdom of God is outside of you and that I am not on your side. You need to know right now that the kingdom of God belongs to you and I am on your side right now and right here. Relief to anyone who is worried that they aren't doing the right things, that they are doing the wrong things. Relief and grace and peace and mercy and goodness and light and life. You're in. Don't worry. It's good. Perhaps that's what the Beatitudes are saying to anyone who's riled up about the fact that I'm, I haven't posted enough Facebook posts. I haven't worked for justice enough. I'm not on the right side of the political spectrum. I'm not doing enough. I'm not believing enough. I'm not believing the right things. I'm believing all the wrong things. I'm deconstructing. I'm reconstructing. <laughs> God is on your side if you're afraid that God isn't. And perhaps Jesus is warning 
everyone and anyone who assumes their position or satisfaction and happiness is because God somehow picked them and they did something right. They earned it somehow. Woe to you because you didn't earn it. Listen to this quote by Madeline Lengel. Anyone love Madeline Lengel? She wrote The Wrinkle in Time stuff, many other books. This is from her little book, Walking on Water. She's so imaginative, but she says this and just follow it. It may be that we've lost our ability to hold a blazing coal in our hand. Ouch. Or to move unfettered through time. What? Or to walk on water. Huh? Because we've been taught that such things have to be earned. We should deserve them. We must be qualified. We are suspicious of grace. We're afraid of the very lavishness of the gift. We're suspicious of grace. It's too good to be true. Rob Bell, the great saint. (laughs) This is how he translates. This is his fun little imaginative translation of the Beatitudes. God is on your side when you don't have it all together. God is on your side when you've run out of strength, ideas, willpower, resolve, or energy. God is on your side when you ache because of how severely out of whack the world is right now. God is on your side when you stumble, trip, and fall in the same places again and again. God is on your side when you, on a regular basis, have a dark day in which despair seems to be a step behind them or you wherever you go. Blessed are you, for God is with you. God is on your side. God meets you in that place. Amen. Oh. Hmm. So the gospel, what is the gospel? The good news. The gospel is the counterintuitive, joyous, exuberant news that Jesus has brought the unending, limitless, stunning love of God to all of us and all of them. The gospel is the counterintuitive, joyous, exuberant news that Jesus has brought the unending, limitless, stunning love of God to all of us and all of them. And I say, I use those binary terms because we need to understand that God's love extends toward the other. Anyone that we would other, God's love breaks through. So not an all play question, but we all have a version of gospel, you know? the good news is an important question to ask every once in a while is who does your version of the gospel work for who does your version of the gospel work for does it sound like good news to everybody well here's the woe if it only works for those who think like me and believe like me and act like me then it's not the gospel It just isn't. It's not the gospel of Jesus. 
If it only works for those who think like me and believe like me and act just like me, it's not the gospel of Jesus. It's simply the sociological rules that my group is using to keep myself feeling in and safe and others out and damned. So woe to those of us who hoard the gospel and keep people out on the basis of their otherness. Woe to us when we create categories of otherness that Jesus does not create. That's the ouch. That's what we need to hear. Not in a shaming way, but just in a re... We need to look, we need to let the light of Jesus Christ shine on our version of the good news and reveal what's lacking so that we can expand into the really good news of freedom that in Christ we are offered. And then maybe we can start walking on water again. You know, maybe we can. Uh, The Powell is reading a book now that calls out the lie that God blesses those who never express need. It's called God is a Black Woman. Whoa, yes! Come on, pals. If you ever need to get a good book rec- recommendation, just send an email to John Powell. <laughs> oh, he reads some good books. Uh, Will says, boom. Mark says, easy to understand, hard to master. I agree. Um, Kara says, I'm moved by the idea that it's not good news if it's not good news for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then Rebecca is asking if that book, God is a Black Woman, is by Christina Cleveland. I'm not sure, but I'm sure we'll get that answer. All right. Before we end, let's check out Matthew chapter five, shall we? Every question is a good question. So, how does the First Nations version handle the Beatitudes around the word poor? Creator's blessings rest on the poor, the ones with broken spirits. The good road from above is theirs to walk. I like that. Creator's blessings rest on the poor, the ones with broken spirits. The good road from above is theirs to walk. Okay, yes, it's Christina Cleveland. She is from Minneapolis, I think, isn't she, Kate? Uh Ending with this, because I am over time. But man, I was feeling it today. So sorry, not sorry. You know what I mean? Woe to you who preach longer than 25 minutes. Uh, John 10, 10 and 11. Also from the First Nations version. Thieves enter only to take away life, to steal what is not theirs, and to bring ruin to all they cannot have. I might add, woe to you, if that's you. But Jesus says, I have come to give the good life. I have come to give a life that overflows with beauty and harmony. Because I am the good shepherd, the one who watches over the sheep. And I will lay down my life for them. So repent, turn around, change your mind, and believe the good news that God is for you. Amen. Amen. Endings are a place where life is remade. 
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.